0: So um, we're going through Numbers. We're up to Numbers 3. Let's go back to that diagram. So this is the way that the Israelites, as they moved through the desert, that God commanded them to camp. And they did it by, uh, they arranged themselves by the 12 tribes. but, uh, But what else can you see there? Tabernacle, okay? And there's um, around, not exactly the tribes, but there's three clans coming from the three sons of Levi. Uh, Where are they placed? So Gershom, Harari, and Kohath, three sons of Levi and their descendants, they're on the outside of that, okay? And what about Moses and the priests? to the right, and that actually is to the east. Um, the largest tribe numerically is which? Judah. In fact, in total, north, south, east, west, which is the largest tribe, the uh, largest three, the sum total of the three, east. And the tabernacle and the tent where the Ark of the Covenant was, that's where it opened up, to the east. So they would have the most protection from the east. All right. Because not everyone was in favour of the Israelites as they went through the desert. Let's pray. Our Lord, we ask your presence as we speak. And... Um, I want to admit there's some some things I am uh, nervous about today as I speak, but I believe it is your word for today, and that you would, um, as Courtney said, um, speak to those places in their hearts that need to be spoken to. Jesus, we ask in your mighty name. Amen. So this is the way they were to camp, but not only camp, also the way that they were to travel so that as they were to, um, to travel, because they moved, the first three tribes that would go first were the eastern tribes, Judah, and the other two. The next ones that would come behind them was the southern tribes, Gab, Simeon, Reuben. And then the tabernacle and the Levites, they would go in the middle and then the next uh, next three, and then the next three. So, east, south, tabernacle, uh, what are we left? West and north. That's the way they would travel. Because, and I've only got two points today, so sorry about that, but that's it. Uh, Because, number one, the worship of God was to be central to the people of God, as he called them, the worship of God was central, right in the middle, right in the middle. And the worship of God was to be protected, as you remember from last week, um, the Levites, they were hardcore. They were the ones that took out their swords and they went through the camp and they killed brother, neighbor, friend as God had commanded them to protect the worship of God. And all the nations knew as they marched through the desert and the nations around them saw, they could see that the worship of God's was central to the called-out ones of God. They couldn't fail to see it. It was there, right in front of them. It's the way they set set up their camp, and as they walked, that's the way they marched. It wasn't a tack-on. It wasn't something that came up in the caboose at, at the end, you know. This was central to the people of God, the worship of God. Everyone knew. When they stayed in one place... And when they traveled to other places, the worship of God was at the very core of who they were. Worship of God was central to them as a community. It was as they, as they camped and as they traveled: Chirite, Torato Haiinga, their travel, Kitorato nohonga. They travel, and they're sitting up, they're staying still. Worship was central. And there were detailed instructions about how they were to, were to do it for the Levites. One place set up or travelling to different places. on Worship was central. And uh, I met a couple, a youngish guy a few years ago. He, he was he had, was coming to church here for a while and he moved to Wellington and... Um, Popped in to say hello, and um, we're talking. He says, "Actually, I, I haven't found the church in Wellington yet." And I says, "Ah, oh, we used to live in Wellington. I think there are some churches in Wellington." <laughs> yeah, awkward uh, laughter. <laughs> Have you managed to find the internet provider yet? Let me challenge that even if, you, even if you move from here, worship of the one true God is to be central in your life. Whether you stay still or whether you go somewhere else, worship is to be central. Don't fit worship around the rest of your life. Put it in the middle. And we're heading towards the most important event in history, the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it's fantastic that's got introduced today, and we're going to keep it up front and central. We're heading towards Easter. And Moses and Aaron and the sons were to camp and travel just east of the tent of meeting. When they woke up in the morning, sun behind them, that was what they saw. And they were responsible for the care of the sanctuary. The Levites, they were responsible for worship. And Moses and Aaron and the, and the Levites were helpers. And Moses and Aaron, that was their main job. That was a big thing on their job description. They were not, first of all, counselors or judges or therapists or administrators or life coaches or budget advisors or bureaucrats, not even military generals, even though they did all of that. First and foremost, they put up front and center the worship of the one true God. That was the the main thing that they did. That's why they camped right there, just in front of the tent of the meeting, east. As the sun came up, that's what they did. The worship of God, front and center. The Westminster Confession, when when the English... And Scottish theologians and lay people, Um, they wanted to teach new believers and children. They had 107 questions, it's called the Westminster Confession, and 107 questions with correct answers. And the first one was this, first question was this, what is, 1649, what is the chief end of man? Meaning, what is the main purpose of humanity? Then the answer, man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Amen? I'm going to ask you, what is, and the answer is, man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Here's a question. What is the chief end of man? Correct, 106 to go. (laughs) Worship is central, was central in the life of Jesus. Luke 4, 16. When the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue, as was his habit. When the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue, as was his habit. That's what Jesus did on a regular basis. And it's true, Jesus had private times alone with God up on the mountain at different places. But on the Sabbath, what Jesus tended to do was go into the synagogue with others and worship the one true God, front and center. I heard of a, a, a few years ago a, a long term churchgoer and his brother-in-law saying, he said, what he, do, he doesn't like worship. So what he does, he waits till the singing's over, and then he comes to church. Because he wants to hear the message. Wrong. That's wrong. Worship is central. It's not the warm-up. All right? Worship of God is central. And worship is more than singing. That's true. That's true. Uh, let's read the scripture, right? So, two bits of scripture today. Uh, numbers 3, 1-4. to four. This is an account of the family of Aaron, Moses at the time. The Lord spoke to Moses at Mount Sinai. The names of the sons of Aaron were Nadab, the firstborn, and Abihu, Eleazar, and I- Ithamah. Those were the names of Aaron's sons, the anointed priests, who were ordained to serve as priests. Next one. Nadab and Abihu, however, died before the Lord when they made an offering of unauthorized fire before him in the desert of Sinai. They had no sons, so Eleazar and Ithamar served as priests during the lifetime of their father Aaron. And next scripture. Moses, and this is verse 38 of the same chapter, Moses and Aaron and his sons were to camp to the east of a tabernacle toward the sunrise in front of a tent of meeting. They were responsible for the care of the sanctuary on the behalf of the Israelites. Anyone else who approached the sanctuary was to be put to death. Worship is central. Worship is central, and it's it's true. It's more than singing. That's true. Uh, the first, um, those verses there talked about senses, so they were probably metal cages with smoke, and that as they lit the, the smoke, this, well, you know, candles, uh, Anglican priest here today, praise the Lord, and uh, that's part of worship, it's a legitimate part of worship. You know, there's other things we can do, responsive readings, um, sure, but biblical worship of God, historic worship of God has always included singing. just give you a few examples. Psalms, full of worship. Nehemiah 13. Nehemiah finds that that the Levites and the singers weren't getting their portion of offerings. They were getting hungry and going back to the fields because they, they didn't like being hungry. So the paid singers for the worship of God, they were getting hungry. People weren't putting in their offerings. They didn't like being hungry, so they went back to the field. Nehemiah gets angry, not at the singers, at the people. And he says this, and the officials, he says, Why have you neglected the house of God? Why have you neglected the house of God? Why is the house of God neglected? You see, worship is central. Matthew 26, after Jesus and the disciples had partaken. Uh, the Last Supper. They sung a hymn and went out to the book of, the, sorry, out to the Mount of Olives. Last book of the Bible, Revelation. Uh, book of Revelation. They sung worship. Chapter five, chapter nineteen, the last chapter, Revelation. John fell down at the feet of the angel to worship, and the angel says, "Don't do it, worship." God. worship God. Worship is more than singing, but it does include singing. You know, one of the things about singing worship is it, it, it like it's it's enforcing humility. You know, you can't go off and do your own thing in singing worship, can you? It says these are the words that are true and right about God, and we will sing them, and affirm them together. Will you join with us in one voice and proclaim that God is good and great? Worship is central. And uh, as the people, it's incredible really when you think about it, all those Israelites going through the desert, surrounded by people that did not like them. How did they survive? How did they thrive? How did they actually get to the promised land? Well, the answer is is that they put worship centre of who they were as a as a people in the centre. Worship is central. Number one, number two, worship is sacred. We have this quite unusual story, don't we? Two of Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, and uh, and we have. Um, the sons of Aaron, Moses' brother and two I see. And these, so Moses' nephews, they go out to the desert and they, they, they light their senses and it's called unauthorized fire to gods. And Aaron had four sons. Uh, and, two, and these two, Nadab and Abihu, Exodus 24 says that they were two of the 70 that went with Moses up to the mountain. They accompanied Moses. They're part of the, the 70-odd of the elders that went up to Moses. So why, why did they do this thing? Why did they do this thing that, that got them killed and God smote them? Why did they do it? Don't exactly know. There's, there is a clue. There is a clue. But maybe part of it, why they did this unauthorized fire was that they were they'd grown up, uh, they'd grown up around holy things. They were used to it. They were sons of the parsonage, and some holy things had become kind of normal to them. And they'd grown up with Moses, and they'd had that great experience uh, with Moses, and maybe that had made them proud and sort of got used to holy things, to sacred things. Le- Leviticus 10 tells the same story. Nadab, Abihu, just got the senses, got some fire from somewhere, not the proper place, unauthorized fire, and who knows where they got it from. And they go out to the desert to worship God, and God kills them. A serious. Leviticus ten one to 3 Verse 3 says this, Among those who approach me, I will show myself holy, says God. Among those who approach me, I will show myself holy. Me I will show myself holy to all. In the sight of all people, I will be honoured. Verse 3 of Leviticus 10, And Aaron remained silent. Aaron remained silent. Now he was the jabber of the whanau. He was the mouthpiece. He was the kai kōrero. That's who Moses got to do the talking. But here, Aaron remained silent. Because God had spoken. And he said, I will show myself holy to all people. When God speaks, there's nothing more to be said. Verse 4, Moses gets two of the cousins, deal with the bodies. See, worship not only is it central, it is sacred. It's a, it's a, it's a heavy thing, it's not a lightweight thing. Our people in, in Africa, our tribe, they had this saying, it means it's heavy. It's a, you know, uh, someone died in the luma, and that's, oh, that, that, that's heavy. You know, worship is, it's, it's, it's heavy. It's not a lightweight thing. Chapter 4, Levites. although. Well, the uh, sorry, Numbers one, ten Ten tribes are counted. Every male, age 20 and more, is counted. But not the Levites. Chapter 4 it says the Levites from age 30 to 50 only are counted. Everyone else, all the other males, 20 on, you're counted. Levites, you have to be 30 to 50 to be counted. Why is that? The reason is this. It's the... the male human brain, uh, <laughs> you know where I'm going. The male brain is not properly formed in its 20s, right? And so God did not want lusty stags wandering around the tabernacle messing up worship. You see, that's, that's how important it is to God. wanted male brains that are properly formed to be in charge of the worship. 1 Corinthians Paul talks about how we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. In fact, he, he talks about it twice. 1 Corinthians 6:19 he says, "You singular, your bodies are temple are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Therefore flee immorality." But 1 Corinthians three sixteen 16 and 17, which we hear of less, he says, you together, koko, as a corporate entity, as a group, together you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So don't mess up that body, that entity, that church. If anyone destroys it, God will destroy him. See, because worship, is sacred. Which one do we hear about more in our day and age? What is the air that we breathe? We hear about 1 Corinthians 6, you know, our individual personal bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. We hear that all the time. But we don't tend to hear 1 Corinthians 3, that you Koto, are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So be careful, because if you mess it up, God will deal with you. It's not Carl saying that. It's the Word of God saying that. You would think that fire to God was fire to God, right? Why did it need to be authorized fire? You know, why? What does authority have to do with faith? What does authority have to do with faith? Good question. Luke seven and Matthew eight. Jesus, Jesus answers that question. Roman soldier time of Jesus, sends a sick servant and he says, Jesus, can you heal my servant? You actually don't need Jesus. You don't need to come to my house because I'm a man under authority. I'm a soldier. There's soldiers above me, the commanders above me. There's many under me that I have authority over. And understand your authority, Jesus. You just need to say the word. And Jesus says this. He says, never have I seen... Jesus is astonished, actually, it says. And Jesus is not often astonished, but he's astonished here. And Jesus says, never have I seen faith like this in all of Israel. And and so Jesus, it looks like Jesus has changed the subject. The man was talking about authority, but Jesus says, never have I seen faith. But what does authority and faith have to do together? Well, actually, they are the... They're like this. Authority goes with faith, and faith goes with authority. Jesus has not changed the conversation, the topic of conversation. Authority and faith go together. That is why unauthorized fire to worship God was such a big no-no. It's why attempts it to worship and serve God from a state of rebellion, that's a no-no. Don't do that. That ends badly. Don't try and say, I love the Lord, I'm just a bit of a rebel at heart. Nah, don't do that. Authority and faith go together. Authority and faith go together. Worship is central and worship is sacred. Faith and authority go together. Matthew 28, 18. All authority has been given to me, and I give it to you. So go out and do great things through the power and authority that I'm giving you, says Jesus. We looked at John 13, two weeks ago. Jesus, knowing that he had come from God, he knew his authority was going to God. He knew his divine authority he had. Jesus knew his authority, but he didn't use it to oppress people, did he? John 13. Didn't use his authority to oppress people. Didn't use it to impress people. He used it to bless people. And the fire of Jesus is where we must, we must light our fire. Any old fire will not do. It is the fire of Jesus. Jesus said, John 8:12, "I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Amen. Amen.